Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Giant Pod with me, Andy Rintmore. This week I was chatting to Ginny Adams, who is a comedy actor. She is best known for her character of Cheryl Sprinkler under the banner of Mojo Moves. We talk about her comedy duo with her partner Nelly. They're called Rare Species. We go into the closet of characters that they portray. We also touch on some dark subjects, so please be warned about that one. We talk about touring the world in street theatre groups. We talk about ambition, we talk about mental health, we talk about a whole bunch of things. I had a really good chat with Ginny. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here it is. get inside your head a little bit <laughs> if that's possible <laughs> it is possible yeah there's a lot of rubbish in there you'll have to wade <laughs> through i promise <laughs> where did this begin this this uh, this I'm, I'm i mean for the listener you're wearing ankle you got a fluorescent yellow ankle warmers yellow trainers you've got pink is it spandex or like lycra pink yeah. lycra you've got a, is that star wars it is Star Wars. You got Wars. a it's Star, Star Wars, Wars leotard. Leotard, yeah. a, a, a silver uh, jacket. You got some um, wrist warmers, wrist sweatbands, sweatbands. Yeah. yeah, yellow. Yeah, big eighties hair. Yeah. What would you call those? The, those. It's curly, but there, there's a name for them, isn't it's it? It's like a bubble perm, a corkscrew perm. Corkscrew perm. <laughs> and a and a silvery headband. Uh, uh, no, a multicolored rainbow. Glittery headband is what I meant to say. Not so. Yeah. So yeah. you're quite, it's quite the feast for the eyes right now, isn't it? It is, yeah. So um, where did this began, begin? Like how, how, why, how, how am I sat here talking to you like this right now? So Cheryl Sprinkler is just one of many characters right. um, that I do. So basically I, um, my background is in comedy performance uh-huh. and I spent many years touring the world um, doing comedy street theater and a few years back I decided to go my own way with my partner um who's not here today but um he's not dead he's, he's not dead <laughs> <laughs> don't say that no he's, he's still with us he's he's absolutely still with us he's going to pick our little boy up from school so basically it's a family business family run business yeah. yeah it's all about the community we're a community interest theater company and we um basically our mission is to make people's lives better through daftness and, and, and silly silly characters. However, the character you're looking at now has a real purpose and um, I basically went back and studied exercise to music so that I can actually officially run proper exercise classes but as a comedy character, Cheryl Sprinkler. And yeah, she was born out of um, a need Wedlock. for me... To, what was you going to say? Born out of wedlock. <laughs> Probably. She was born a very long time ago. Yeah, there was a lot of that in the 80s. Um, yeah. Um, no, I just had this notion. It was a, it was a kind of eureka moment, really, um, because I was feeling pretty miserable. I was, I was unfit. Um, I needed to find work in Froome that, because I've got a little child. And back then he was three, I think. Um, and I needed to find something that would bring an income, a regular income. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll do, a, I, you know, I was thinking about classes. I was thinking about laughter yoga and things like that. But unfortunately, those sort of things, they actually just make me laugh rather than, I, you know, I don't. Right. I was but, trying to find a, an angle on it. Hmm. Um, and, you know, my life has been dressing up as different characters. So it was kind of like, why would I suddenly decide that I'm a, I'm a laughter yoga practitioner when I make people laugh through what I do with, you know, becoming different characters. So, yeah, I just had this eureka moment that I could run a fitness class dressed as a character, like particularly, you know, the look is 80s aerobics um, and the moves are kind of backing dancer, fist grabbing, uh, excitable, top of the pops, you know, it's... um, 
Yeah. Because it's not it's not hardcore fitness, is it? It's not a hardcore workout. It's it's more. I feel like it's more of a communal, community based. Well, um, you say that. No, it is. It is a hardcore. It? It's, well, it's. I'd say it's sort of medium. What intensity. I mean by that is you're not doing a hundred press ups and burpees oh God, well, and no, squats. No, it's not Joe Wicks. We're not doing burpees. Yeah. No, it's absolute joyous fun that's the main thing of it it's that it's that classic going to to quote a, a quote that's been quoted a million times it's dancing like nobody's watching you know it's that absolute freedom it's playful it's silly I kind of talk back to the the guys who are singing so say you know or we had Billy Ocean the other day saying get out of my dreams get into my car and I say absolutely not Billy no thanks very much don't ask me again you know things like that and you know, it just it just sort of tickles people as they're doing, and they're they're exercising as well. Yeah. But they never realise that they're doing that, and yeah. forty-five minutes passes like a breeze, you know. Mm. And suddenly they're like, "Wow!" And I've got people that have been coming consistently for two years, you know, three times a week. That is and an achievement, as we know, doing a podcast, organising other humans to arrive at a place at a predisposed time is quite a challenge and you've managed to get people to do that three times a week and get sweaty yeah for two years yeah to you know most people give up certain fitness things after you know the, the, the kind of novelty wears off or whatever but I seem to have managed to retain a lot of people and I've got you know five star reviews on google which I'm really proud of five 15 of them at the moment and that's just because people aren't getting on there and putting their reviews but right yeah, I cannot tell you how positive the feedback is about... Well, I can. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're doing. <laughs> um, yeah, unbelievably. You know, I, when I had the idea, I thought it was, you know, it's a nice idea, great idea, unique idea. But I never thought it would take off like this. Yeah. And I never thought, you know, within Froome, pre-lockdown, Cheryl was a bit of a celebrity, you know, kind of minor, minor, yeah. Z list. You're a major I'll, I'll star you. in this town. Stop it. Stop but you know, modest. I was picking my boy up from school as Cheryl. Because <laughs> <Just laughs> needs must. It's not like um, with undercover cops, is it? Where they, they you're not going to get pulled out in, in a couple more years because they're losing you to the life, right? <laughs> Where's the blur between Ginny Adams ask, and Cheryl Springler? You do have to ask my poor partner because obviously at the moment I'm because I'm meeting people for a new project and I'm Zooming them as Cheryl. Mm. I'm spending a lot more time in Lycra than he would probably... It, it's it, it, Bless him, he's, he's from Hertfordshire, so he's like, give it a rest, like that, you know. <laughs> he's like, so he sort of bump into me in the, cor in the sort of the hallway, and I'm like, oh, sorry. Um, yeah, um, I mean, I, yeah, it's... Uh, she's not taking over. But it is sometimes I feel more comfortable in my lycra <laughs> outfit. <laughs> it's when you start thinking in Cheryl's voice. That's when it's time to. <laughs> yeah, that is when they'll pull me out of the uh, <laughs> undercover cops situation. Well, there'll have to be some sort of intervention. <laughs> Why yeah. are all the family here? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, sectioning, I think they call that. Sit don't they? down, Cheryl. <laughs> Yeah, they don't have men in white coats anymore with all no. the cuts. But, um, <laughs> that would be, yeah, I know. I haven't, yeah, I haven't quite gone down a sort of strange wormhole of Cheryl yet. Right. You know, to, that I'll never come back out of. But um, So where did this, where did this, uh, like you said, you've always been dressing up. I have a history in my childhood of dressing up as Batman. And we all do it as kids, don't we? Dennis the Menace. And my sister had me dressing as Spice Girls. Yeah, but this, no, this was different. This was um, eight-year-old putting on mum's clothes from her, you know, just going up and not not your classic fancy dress outfits. Yeah. This was, this was somebody exploring different facets of their personality and silly right. voices. And I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day and, and saying, oh, perhaps it's a multiple personality disorder that I've got rather than being just a good comedy performer. Right. <laughs> But, um, yeah, because I love that film, you know, How Many Faces of Eve, whatever it was. Um, Just as long as it doesn't turn out like that film Split. No. I d I, no, that, that is the thing. I, it is, it's very much, you know, there is, there is a me. But I do feel more comfortable. I feel more confident 
in other personas. A Cheryl. So do you Quite think often. that there's there's an element of escapism in it for you then? Um, do you feel that sometimes Ginny needs a rest? <laughs> Yeah, I think Ginny's quite a shy person. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I would struggle to run a fitness class as my as me in, you know, and and I feel kind of uncomfortable in, in fitness gear. So it's kind of like, to be able to put something on that's really like over the top and, and vibrant and, you know, and I, I kind of, even sort of dangly earrings, I don't tend to wear as myself. Yeah. I just, you know, I absolutely, yeah, the dressing up, the, you know, the kind of um, expressing myself through characters rather than, because my uniform as myself yeah. is a pair of skinny jeans and a, and a Breton top, stripy top. You know, I'm very right. sort of, and I, I feel that I kind of carry myself differently. Some, as yeah, well. sometimes I see you and you, you've got a sort of a, almost a goth edge. <laughs> I saw you the other day, I think you had a leather jacket on or something, some sort of... Maybe. It was, very, it was a very dark outfit you had on the other day. I yeah, thought, I do wear a lot oh, of black. I do I do tend to veer towards black in my own... I don't know what that is. I mean, I have been through some horrible grief in my... In my perhaps it's a. It's it's something to do with that, I don't know. Like Johnny but, Cash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, I had a Greek Cypriot neighbour and she, always, she wore nothing but black because her husband had died years and years before and it was like the the tradition for the widow to never wear anything but black forevermore. Wow. But uh, no, it's not, that's not the case. I just like, I like black clothes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do I. It's, I mean, black is good, right? Yeah. Black's good. Yeah. It's slimming. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's, that's always been an issue with me, funny enough, the sort of not being confident in my right. own skin and also having quite tricky relationships that made me feel even worse about myself. Oh, I see, right. <laughs> In the past. So mm. so would you say that Ginny... I'm talking about Ginny like she's the character I know, now, right? and it's weird. I'm sitting here talking about myself in the sort of... In the Cheryl the sort of outfit. Third person or whatever. So yeah. do you... With like your emotional... Do you feel like your emotional range is like a normal emotional range? Or do you feel there's like a, a certain area where it ticks over into, oh, this is, we'll deal with this in character as someone else? Um, I don't know. I think I, I close off a lot of stuff, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's, um, I guess it's healthy to have the outlet in the, in another form mm. to sort of put your put yourself in a separate headspace and to and to work it out under those almost like a a new set of rules mm. or a sort of a space where it's like experimental maybe and like you can you can deal with that there and then once you've you're out of the costume and you're Ginny again it almost gives you a bit of separation i guess doesn't it yeah kind of I suppose the, the thing about the life experiences and, and, you know, what the things I've been through and what it brings to the character of Cheryl is a, is a deep understanding of the rubbish things that people may well be going through. Yeah. And it's a really sort of heartfelt message when I'm teaching. Yeah. Um, because we use, you know lyrics that maybe resonate with people even you know even the, the the simplest sort of we are the champions or um simply the best or um there's a helen reddy song i am woman and um i am strong i am invincible i am woman and and so cheryl's it, all about empowerment it's it's very much about empowerment and um People do actually. I've had people cry in the classes. Right. Um, I'm not there to make them cry, but it's it's this sense that there's a an understanding, yeah. you know. Um, so it's an interesting one because on the surface, people looking in who haven't actually experienced the classes probably just think it's me mucking about. It's yeah. just it's and that I don't take any of it very seriously. Um, that's completely wrong on many counts but particularly in a that the the class is a proper class and you're getting a proper workout yeah and it's properly worked 
you know, I, yeah, they're not little guinea pigs in your like experiment of theatre. No. And, and, and you, I, you know, know I understand muscle groups and yeah. and you know safety and all the rest of it. It's not it's not just me deciding that I can do you know, and I just leap about. It's it, and it's um, and I suppose the the sort of second thing is the emotional side. I don't think anyone would realise how deep and meaningful coming to a Mojo Moves class can be. Can be right. Yeah. So, do you feel like Cheryl is your is your vessel for exercising and pardon the pun there exercising demons? Um, I think it's the vessel for. Um... But within a within the framework of of creating joy for others yeah i think that's that is that is really important to me that i use my experiences to yeah kind of get people out of those right situations or you know if they're going through a rough time to help them feel better about themselves and yeah for a long time i mean i i was in a relationship for um many years where you know i kind of it wasn't a massively abusive relationship but i was I didn't really have my own friends. I couldn't really listen to my own music. It was quite controlled in that way. Um, but, you know, people that knew me would be like, that's ridiculous. You were always, you know, right. a fiery, feisty human. But sort of behind closed doors, there was this sort of sense that I was being slightly held back and also very insecure about my looks and um, yeah. my body image. Well, those sorts of relationships typically tend to erode these liberties, let's say, over time, don't they? Until until the person does end up feeling quite insecure about these mm. things because things are being sort of withdrawn yeah. Yeah. over time and they sort of the, the vacuum of those things sort of create a a feeling of emptiness and a what if and uh, and um what's the word I'm searching for here? Insecurity. Yeah. And so. yeah, you kind of yeah made to feel a bit inadequate, and and I was I I was made to feel well. It's see, people would listening to this would be like you're not made to feel anything. You you know your feelings are your own responsibility, and I completely understand that. But I think if you are in a relationship where somebody is constantly chipping away yeah. at the way you look, you do start to believe that that is the truth, and. Um, it's quite a quite a difficult thing to kind of turn around, and I think um, certainly you know doing this, I absolutely embrace who I am. Funnily enough, um, even as Ginny, I do you know I do um, you know I'm not a skinny woman, but I'm leaping about in lycra in front of everyone because it's it's a joyful thing. It's yeah. it's you know it's it's not about that. Confidence is key, isn't it? Yeah, and I just I I wish more women would feel that way. I mean, I saw someone had been and had a load of facial treatments the other day um, and they are absolutely beautiful naturally to me, you know, yeah. whenever I see them. And they'd post a picture as if it was like this, you know, if that's what they need to feel confident. But it was it was sort of saddened me in a way that, that, right. that a lot of women, it, it is sad that a lot of women feel that they have to. It's very hard to see. We, we, that's the, one of the things, isn't it, is we will never see ourselves how others see us. No. Or, or we, we can never fully and get there. nobody scrutinises your face the way you do, you know. Right. Nobody stares at your paws or your, the way you... <laughs> Look at that you black head. Yeah, it's yeah. like... It's, yeah, we, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, don't we? We do. Yeah. And do you feel um, through this sense of community and almost like a... It must feel like a bit of a band of... You know, not not I don't not not misfits, but like a band of like <laughs> crazy open uh, lycra wearing, jumping, leaping uh, this little family that you've. Well, they're not. Of... I mean, they're not. It, it, it's not. That's not the case. They're not. They're the most unlikely. Oh. Um, I mean, my a lot of my people are over sixty, and they are from all sorts. Of, I've got a fabulous woman who comes three times a week and she used to be the head of English at a girls school and yeah she's I mean, she loves it absolutely loves it it's just it's it's like because it's so playful and, right. and brilliant so it's not these uh, it's so not these bunch of crazies so who dress much up. more like 
Ginny, not Cheryl. <laughs> and they come and bask in Cheryl's glory and sort of escape not with all her. Of them. I mean, I've got people coming. I mean, with these projects that I'm doing, I work with children. It's, it's, it's really a universally enjoyable experience for any age and men and women I've got a couple of guys that come I think from the outside people you know men tend not to look at those sort of group exercise classes and think it's for them but you know the couple of guys that I have had come it's about the mental health side of things it's right. for them it's it's really um helping them get through some really dark feelings yeah. you know We've we've discussed this before with um, some previous, uh, at least one previous guest that I can recall uh, immediately, of um, vulnerability within men, and yeah. I guess it's something we should sort of promote during the thread of these podcasts. Mm -hmm. Is this message to uh, men? There's a strength in being vulnerable, isn't there? And owning that you might be having a shit time, and and not being afraid to sort of just deal with it and, and let the world kind of know there's something going on. Yeah. Which um, some guys of a certain age are getting better at yeah, talking about which stuff. Which is what we want to promote, I think, yeah. is a society in general. And I wish more men would actually take that, try and be more proactive to their immediate circle of sort of yeah. bros and homies or whatever yeah. and, and say, hey, look, this is completely normal to like you know like let's say joe blogs or whatever you're going for a divorce if you need to go and do some aerobics with cheryl sprinkler to feel to, yeah you know, i mean to do yeah, that just go for you it, know bro. i think i was saying about there aren't a lot of places for people to go and have i was gonna say to go and dance really of a certain age i mean nah, poor cheese and grains you know with all venues shutting down and you know not reopening yet and us not knowing when sort of live music those kind of venues that's a place to go and have a boogie but you know clubs are closed to people of a certain age aren't they you know you don't you sort of <laughs> sort of yeah i know, you know what you mean we've all been in the club at uh 20 years old you know, and you're surrounded by 18 to, uh, well, if the doorman's doing the job right, 18 to um, sort of 35-year-olds. And then there's always that, the, well, not always, but there's often I've seen that guy who's clearly in his 50s and he's sticking out like yes. a sore thumb, doesn't know how to stand, should... doesn't know where to look, but, doesn't know what to do. <laughs> but it's such a, an important outlet, that right. dancing... It's dancing and, and listening to music and, and kind of listening to music and... Well, it's so primal. It is. It's just human, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And I think that's why festivals are so popular, isn't it? Yeah. Because that's a place where it doesn't matter. Any 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 right. sort of age, race, gender, whatever, it, it's all accepting, isn't it, yeah. generally? Um, it's strange how those two scenarios are so wildly different, isn't mm. it? What is, you know, I've I've been leaping about and boogieing next to and having a really good time actually with people of like over 50 into their 60s at Glastonbury let's yeah, say yeah having a sort of a communal moment yeah everyone's like you're fist pumping singing along maybe you know smashing a few beers together whatever you know and then if you transported that to a, like a PA system in a nightclub it would just be weird <laughs> why is that no, strange isn't it it's bad it's bad but going back to um, the the male vulnerabil vulnerability, um, it would be nice for me, it would be probably useful to me in my personal life to have more men enjoy the classes and get something from my work because um, a lot of people know this is about me. My, my dad committed suicide when I was 27. And um, so it's a it's one of those things when when people talk about male suicide and people not talking, yeah. it really hits home. Right. Because I absolutely experienced that firsthand. Somebody not saying what was going on. Yeah. And um, yeah. The, so you've you've got a, a vested interest. In, I have in the health of uh, men. My um, uh, my grandfather on my mother's side killed himself yeah and um i never met him i think it was before i was born but um yeah 
it just you sometimes you wonder because no one knew anything about it no what was you know just sort of just went and did it yeah and so you're sort of left wondering well I, actually my cousin a couple of years just about three or four years ago my cousin did the same again so yeah. and that was on my dad's side so you know there's obviously some <laughs> yeah it's it's just it's it's so terribly sad to think that there may have been something that you know changed that pattern changed yeah. that changed that day Could changed have, yeah. history a um, conversation or something going a different way yeah yeah i think masculinity i i think in general masculinity is a good thing i don't think we need to get rid of it but i but there's definitely traits of it which need to be redefined and mm. um we need an update well, the suggestion it, that men don't have emotions is absurd. You know, no, the, the suggestion that women and men are just completely differently made and it's women, you know, women love a, a good old sob and it's absolute rubbish. No, it's, <laughs> I, I feel a lot of it's a cultural training. I yeah, think. I mean, of course people are, they're human beings. Yeah. Of course they're emotional. Of course they get upset about stuff. Of course stuff cuts like a knife uh -huh. when you you know if we weren't meant to cry we wouldn't have tear ducts would we well, it, you know? exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it's just it, i mean it, i mean that all that sort of stuff where people join the army and then sort of shouted at until they don't feel and it's it's nonsense you you see what comes out of it with you know ptsd and all that kind of yeah. stuff it's um yeah it's a real it's a real treacherous um existence isn't it i mean I, I would say if you feel like you've got friends that you, and you can open up to and uh, and talk to about these sorts of things and you need some new friends yeah but yeah. people struggle making friends don't they yeah. you know and especially in this day you know all that swiping left and right and i know that's not necessarily for friends but you know the way people meet people these days is yeah. very peculiar i mean we're extremely lucky to live somewhere like Froome because it's just got this really friendly, I mean, it hasn't just got the really friendly side. We know, you know, you as deputy mayor saying what you said about the situ. Yeah. Um, but there is a sort of sense of, of friendliness and, and being able to walk into a place by yourself, a pub or whatever, yeah. and you'll strike up a conversation with somebody or, yeah. you know. And, but I think in wider society, for younger people, sort of meeting people is is a is a struggle. Yeah, I don't really know and what to say about thing. that. I'm not sure what my feelings are <laughs> on it. How to sort of get no? You know, I don't know how to articulate that? But you know, that's but. that's how you make friends, isn't it? You maybe work with somebody, or you and you know, and the especially at the moment, if people are working from home, they're not having those connections, those things that you would, you know, that there's going to be a lot of fallout. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of sadness in this hmm. world at the moment. But let's maybe let's move away okay, from Okay, let's move away from sadness. For, for now. You didn't get me on here to talk about <laughs> sadness. Um, sadness is all good, but it, it, yeah, but it's one, it is one of those things. That it, it can become a bit pernicious, can't it? You know, but um, so let's, let's talk about, you mentioned that you travelled the world with street theatre. I know that you're part of Rare Species. That's right, yeah. Tell me, uh, how did Rare Species come about? And what was, was there a precursor to that? Was there some other thing? Were you, was it, was Rare Species the moment when you were like, we've got it, this is actually the formula? No, I mean, Rare Species took a while to, to actually um, get together because um, a, my partner wasn't my partner at the t not that it needed to be my partner, but um, Nelly was living in a different part of the country when we first kind of um, came up with the idea for rare species. So we were kind of pinging emails back and forth, but it was he didn't even have a laptop then. He used to have to go to the library to open up his emails. So it was like a really slow process of kind of ping, have you seen this idea? So it was 2010, basically. Um, we'd both gone over to China um, with... Uh, a street theatre company. I'm not going to name them. Um, Why? Uh, because they no longer work in the way that I feel I see. represents what they were when I was with them. 
<laughs> no, uh, ambiguous. <laughs> no, I think that's perfectly valid. Actually, you don't want to tie your name to something that you don't morally or ethically no. align with anymore. Yeah, than... it really isn't relevant. Yeah. Um, however, yeah, we we used to get a lot of work in different countries. We used to work for the British Council and stuff. So I've been to the most random countries like Kazakhstan, Venezuela. I've done pretty much every continent. Forty-two countries wow. over twenty-eight years. Um, so a long time. I joined them when I was eighteen. And wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been sort of pushed in a wheelbarrow through a Nigerian market. I've been, <laughs> I've had a, got a lift on the back of a random person's moped in a, on a Greek island, had a conversation with a Greek Orthodox um, priest while it kind of just, yeah. Bonkers, bonkers right. times. Absolutely brilliant. What a, what a life. What an amazing thing to have you know had i had it been now the the posts i would have been putting on insta i was just about to say God. if you have photographs and you have clips and whatever of these 28 years can you can you please periodically share some of these unfortunately sort of there I'd isn't a see. lot i mean oh. i do have some right i do have some i have some of the the characters but um kind of referencing where we were we just didn't have that, you know, nobody didn't have a mobile phone right. back then. To, you were to, living in the moment. Yeah. And, and it you, wasn't the culture of I mean, there are some Instagram. photographs for sure. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so going back where we the, we were going, we started on something else, wasn't it? Um, you said about... We were talking about rare species. Oh yeah, rare species. Oh yeah, so China. Okay, and so China. back in... So we, <laughs> we, were, we were working at the Shanghai Expo. Right. And I'm just, I just have these ideas because that's what I'm like. And I went, I'm going to dress up as a panda. And because Nelly and I got on really well um, and he had uh, the right sort of outfit, he decided he was going to be my keeper. So I basically, over because we were there for a month in Shanghai, and basically over the next few days after I'd had this, <laughs> this idea, um, I gathered together things to make a panda outfit. Right. Which, um, so I had some costume with me. We had quite a lot of costume, but I had some costume that I could um, adapt. So I basically had a black polar neck and I went and bought a white vest and it was a stretchy vest and I stuffed a cushion up my polar, <laughs> polar neck <laughs> right. and my uh, vest and I painted my face black and white um, and I put two pairs of pants on my head that were kind of turned into it kind of created a balaclava look a white balaclava but right. it was actually a pair of pants i bought a mickey mouse toy and cut the ears off it and put them on a headband so that i created panda ears so i was this kind of like peculiar slightly odd looking but you could tell i was a panda black yeah. gloves black feet you know it was so it was wasn't a, sort of a humanoid it, panda humanoid the british panda we called it right and we got it um, translated, so we 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 had a, a little sign that said British panda, very rare species, and it was um, translated into Cantonese. And <laughs> I was taken out on a trolley, right? And I was put behind some white picket fencing that happened to be around the um, Shanghai Expo site. So and you procured I, this, did you? Um, no, it was it just happened to be. You know, there was a spot to do it there was a right. perfect spot i see um and i was kind of left there alone my keeper <laughs> went off and i was left there just um i think we got celery or something i was just chewing on celery with this little sign that said what i was and the these um the people at the expo the customers were queuing and come you know and fascinated because they went they came past this you know but they, it, they absolutely loved it. I cannot right. deny that it was one of the most enjoyable <laughs> experiences <laughs> of my life. And then a few times, so we went out more than once because obviously you're performing there for a month. So um, then we did it where I was just, I was on the trolley. It was like I was being transported by my keeper. And we called him Ronnie Morris. It was like, you know, we love to sort of reference for our own sort of Amusement. enjoyment. Yeah. Um, we love to reference things from our childhood or, you know, this is, this is 
one of the things with rare species is that it's got a sort of retro vibe to it. Everything right. we do is kind of harking back to a former time. Yeah. So all our characters are kind of like, you totally recognise them, but they are generally of a different era, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, we went out on this trolley and basically um, Nelly as Ronnie, Ronnie Morris just handed out, celery to kids <laughs> I just I've never eaten so much celery in all my life I just kind of nonchalantly was chewing the celery and like you know the kids would come up and yeah it was it sounds it's I mean who what it's what? bonkers but wait what yeah <laughs> it's one of those isn't it wait what? what are you talking about so what was the framework for a lot of this um street performance was there ever like political messages was any of it ever sort of satirical it was more surreal, making, I would right. say. It was kind of like, um, it was comedy and it was um, odd odd things. Either It was either extraordinary people in ordinary places right. or ordinary people in, in extraordinary places. So, you know, I've climbed up scaffolding and, you know, all that kind of just, it, it was freeform, improvised comedy. We had a sort of structure in terms of a scenario. Yeah. But generally... And who would sort of make sure that you guys didn't go into territory that was maybe taboo or um, accidentally distasteful? <laughs> was there any sort of, uh, not quality control, but did you, was there anyone you had to answer to? And oh, say, yeah, no, we no, no. I mean, we, we had to, an artist director and, right. and yeah, it was a, a proper outfit. Right. Um, but back in the day, they were groundbreaking. You know, the stuff they were doing was... Um, meant was sort of and and actually originally the 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 company was born out of sort of politics and and um the sort of hippie movement and getting getting the arts noticed and yeah i mean and how did how would you tailor your because i assume that if you're did you say you were in kazakhstan <laughs> so how how does the sense of humor from the uk to kazakhstan to China. Well, it's visual. They all it changed, was don't very they? visual. I mean, that's that's something that I've brought from it, and that's what I feel has been lost, and hence, you know, moving forward from it to my own company. It was about something that you could see that would instantly be instantly recognisable and funny, and so there was a lot of slapstick, a lot of um, visual. Humor. So trying to make it more universal. It was universal, yeah, yeah, in that way because yeah, you didn't need to tell a joke. I I'm a rubbish joke teller, right? But I'm a blooming funny performer. You know, it's blimmin. just <laughs> blooming. <love> <laughs> I'm blooming funny. Well, me. I, I don't want to swear, you know, <laughs> you on your swear podcast. All, swear all you like. I don't. It's funny. I don't. I do swear, but I don't swear. Kind of. I don't feel. I don't know. Anyway. Not obtusely. Well, I did swear in a post the other day on Instagram and I thought, oh, I've just said that. Oh, edgy. <laughs> Do you, so, so let's say with your tastes in comedy, stand-up or yeah. maybe a sketch show like the two Ronnies or perhaps yeah. you, you like uh, comedy theatre. Yeah. When it comes to um, cursing and expletives and blue comedy, let's say, are you more of a fan of the, of the people that use drop an F-bomb to punctuate uh a joke or, um, or something or do you or do you not really mind because i, I don't some, mind if it's i mean uh, some people get up there and that's their act isn't it f in this yeah in yeah that, yeah this, in but then you've got clever writers and yeah i don't like it if it's just that's all they do mm. but you've got clever uh, frankie boyle i think is you know he swears a hell of a lot but he's extremely funny yeah. in in his um delivery well and also just his take on on what's going on in the world, you know, it's 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 just so astute, isn't it? Yeah. But it's 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 scary as well, and it's it says it like it is, you know. Mm. Um, but in terms of the sort of comedy that I like, other than um, that, I mean, it's it's the surreal stuff. It's the League of Gentlemen. It's um, but I I I get a bit cross when people assume that I've seen that and I'm doing my stuff. Because I want right. to be like them. I see. I was kind of doing it before they, you know, I, but I love that stuff. Yeah. I love, you know. Um, How are you? Did you grow up watching Monty Python? Yeah, I did I used to. Like I mean, some... I did watch Monty Python. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's I definitely mean, but it was some... pretty old by the time I was 
you know, watching it. Did I just age you then? <laughs> Sorry. No, that's mean... all right. I didn't quite grow up watching it. But, you know, I watched the repeats. They're um, just sort of parents... omnipresent, aren't they? That's what I yeah, mean. They're yeah, just yeah. always I mean, around yeah. in my experience. And, yeah, it's that, it's that kind of silliness and... Absurdity. Absurdity. We love a bit of that. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah, that's that appeals to me massively. I mean, I I just, I like to be silly. I like to play, you know, I like to be playful. Yeah, seriousness is, is boring, isn't it? It has its place. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I remember saying to my dad, funny enough, can you just be serious for a minute kind of thing? Yeah. Because it was like it's the sense of just laughing your way through life. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't work, did it? Um, <laughs> you know. Well, I don't know if it's really my place to say, but it doesn't sound like it. No. 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 So you finished with this uh, company, this touring, yeah. world traveling, globe trotting, theater uh, extraordinaire <laughs> organization. <laughs> Um, then what, what do you, do you, do you, did you exit on good terms? Was there a bit of, did you have a bit of a diva moment? And, no, it wasn't a diva what? moment. Just absolutely not seeing eye to eye at all in right. terms of artistic, um, quality. So you had, uh, artistic differences. Yeah. That old chestnut. That old chestnut. Yeah. Okay. And that's as much as I'll say. And did you have yeah. a plan B? Did you, did you know ahead of time? Oh, I'm I'm heading out of here, or I can see myself exiting this thing, and what am I going to do next? No. Or was there a moment of no improvisation? I've improvised all the way through my life. Um, I um, I didn't have a plan. No, I had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should have probably left many many years before but it was down to confidence yeah in my own abilities and the thought of running my own thing um so it kind of gave me the kick that i needed to actually have 100 percent faith there's also been some incredible people that i've met in Froome that have helped me with that um one being kira nolan of poot poot, poot emporium i think she's a future guest Good. Because she's, she's lived a life. She's just somebody who um, sees the potential in people and encourages them to get on with it and do and do it. Yes. And um, yeah, she's she's been great. And I think, um, I mean, I do tend to if if change hits me, it hurts for a bit, but then I managed to somebody called me renaissance woman and you know i managed to reinvent myself and and start again and rise up yeah. and rise up stronger each time and is that a theme in your life that you have to you've had to keep you've had to keep coming back yeah i'd say so yeah 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 i think that's just sort of life in general though, yeah i know but some i mean i just get it a little bit harder than others yeah don't i just there, there's there's been some pretty kind of big life events but yeah life events that a lot of people go through yeah for sure so run me through your your rare species characters because i know there's the queen is in there somewhere the queen is in there the queen's kind of retired and prince charles has hung up his ears right because um everyone thought he was prince philip even though he did the <laughs> mannerisms of charles impeccably yeah um we we we're on a you know we're on a shoestring budget here so we can't have wigs and makeup that is really precise and it was never we're not a look-alike company it was always right. meant to be a representation a slightly irreverent take on you know what would what would it be like and and the banal conversations they have with people you know the the queen to, yeah, what do you do you know she always says that that wasn't the queen voice i can't i can't do it without the teeth in um <laughs> but yeah, so the, the Queen's an interesting one. She came out of retirement last year, actually. Oh, no, not last year. Pre-lockdown, February, I um, gave a telegram, handed a telegram to a 100-year-old at his birthday party in Bath. And unfortunately, during lockdown, he's actually passed away since. But it was great. That was I didn't mind doing her then. So I, did a, I, I wrote and, and presented a funny speech right. about his life. Um, so that was why she kind of, is hanging around a bit like a bad smell, the Queen. But actually, 
she kind of disappeared because we we ended up going on Britain's Got Talent and it was just a bit of a nightmare. They changed all our music and it was oh, a... That's right. You were sort of misrepresented in a way, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, I just think... I think they thought we were going to be rubbish. I think they, they, had us, they had it planned for us to go on the old ITV2 show right. and it turned out we weren't rubbish and the audience loved it and we actually got a standing ovation yeah. in reality and there's a clip actually and I can see David Walliams look at Simon Cowell as if to say well what which how are we going to play this because this isn't what we'd you know because right. they're obviously not just sitting there blind having seen nothing to do, you know okay they they for sure have been primed they for so they sure know what, oh, yeah. you've got a stinker coming up make I think sure so. you right yeah um and so I, I mean I you know obviously if 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 anyone's listening from psycho I just <laughs> What's Psycho? That's Simon Cowell's company, isn't oh, it? Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, because I got a bit of a telling off because I did go on social media and basically say, you know, they changed our music. Um, I think when you've it was got every still... right to say that. Well, you? you see, you sign stuff and, you know, when, you, when you're excited about going on telly, when, yeah. when you've just kind of parted ways with, a, a you know, your lifelong theatre company. Yeah. Um, we were like, oh, my God, we're going on telly. You know, it could be amazing. Yeah. And it was actually... Flipping soul destroying tumbleweed. When uh, I watched myself, I just my heart sank. I, 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 I actually didn't perform for about probably a year. Really? Yeah. It, I, it killed me because everyone was so sort of stoked at the thought of us being on the telly, yeah. and then when it when the, the way they edited it and you it want to be just, like no they, really they guys it wasn't it, like that yeah, guys it was, it was totally really funny that. and they loved it yeah, guys totally that so it feels like it kind of you know what I've done since it just is is so many miles away from from that but right. yeah the other characters we do so we do a, a pair of uh, 1970s folk singers called Mutt and Jeff <laughs> who wear kind of uh, Aaron sweaters and you you know terrible bo but they actually what they do when they go out and about is run a gurning contest and um, we've done that at weddings and things. And I tell you what, it's the best wedding photos ever. Right. If anyone's looking for some exciting way to make their wedding photos better, Gurning. get get us along to do a gurning contest because it's just fantastic. I mean, crikey, you know, after they've had a few drinks at the reception, you've got Nana, Nana taking her teeth out for the for the shots. They I really go like for it. To be a really successful, you know, top gurner, you have to have no teeth because they <laughs> yeah, really do change really, the way the mouth yeah because you can then put your lip right up to your eyes then can't you <laughs> your bottom lip <coughs> so that's mutt and jeff so mutt and jeff um i mean jeff jeff plays guitar mutt i can't play any instruments i wish i could i've i've sort of toyed with the ukulele <laughs> but i'm just not very good at sticking with things i'm not very good at practicing i'm i'm a bugger like that um, so you get you've got your harmonies down we have we did we wrote some good songs actually um but i get super super nervous singing for some reason weirdly when my dad died i lost my voice i've got quite a good singing voice and when i was young right. i think i probably could have pursued something where singing was part of it interesting um but absolutely lost was your dad a big the, fan of your singing my dad was a beautiful singer right my dad was a beautiful singer and um so's my mum actually i'm very lucky a perfect pitch and you know really good um wow yeah yeah wow but, yeah it's quite a thing quite a thing well my i say perfect pitch no one's ever said that i've <laughs> got it but i can usually i remember going to a, a, a singing thing in bristol i used to go to this weekly thing and the poor guy running it he could never find the note and i'd go um and i'd be able to give the the notes to everyone for the you know for the start right. of the thing anyway that's just yeah anyway that's the sideline but i get very nervous singing weirdly right. um so we poor old martin jeff did a cabaret act and i i literally i was extremely busy i've got a very small child and i was doing too much right. but i got on stage and i completely froze and forgot my lines um what do they call that that's the, corpsing corp no that's laughing no? oh that's laughing on stage I oh can't you were uh, um, choked no no i can't remember anyway someone will be shouting no dying is when you just <laughs> absolutely yeah you um, froze it, but but I, I froze. Oh, 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 what is it? 
brain fog? No, no. there is a Damn there it. is a thing, but I can't think of it. Right. <laughs> so I've done it again. <laughs> Whatever that thing is. Um, but I basically I all I could think of was my little boy, and I don't know. I just I think I just said yeah, thank you or something. It's literally like my <laughs> poor old Nelly at the end of it. He was like, "What the hell happened there?" And it was weird. I think it, 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 there is a sort of connection with singing and. So if I ever have to sing, it's a it kind of right. <laughs> it, it ruptures something in there. Anyway, um, yeah. So that's Mutt and Jeff. They're they're quite interesting. Then we've got um, so Tony DeMonte is Nelly's character who comes in on Mojo, um, but he actually was born out of a couple of other characters. Well, Tony DeMonte is originally the partner of Armistice Moped who is an author, um, very camp indeed, and um, Armistice and Tony, um, they actually don't come out often enough, but they we compared a, a fashion show in Froome as those two. So, you know, it's just, we get as many double entendres in as we can as yeah. those two, really. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's fun. Who else have we got? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I should think. Um, well, the pan, the panda and Ronnie Morris is still there, but I haven't done it for a while. Um, Jean and Reg, I mean, that's what we call each other in the house, me and Neil. We actually, right. I say Neil, Nelly. Um, yeah. Cup of tea, Jean. Oh, yes, please, Reg. Yeah. So they're a kind of, they're already, they're just a sort of background old couple. Um I'm sure there's more. I'm going to kick myself when I go home and look, you remember look through the archives. <laughs> oh, oh, the showgirls. The showgirls of Tro Vegas are nice. Right. Um, sort of union jacked, um, shoestring budget showgirls from Trowbridge, basically. Um, yeah, they've been seen in Iceland, in Froome. They're about. They're about. Who are your favourites? Who's, who's the one that you go, oh, yes, I cannot wait to uh, to do this. I mean... It's a different thing, but getting Cheryl's ready to show beast, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, and and just the dancing, just doing that four or five times a week, if not more. Um, it does, you know. It, it's it works wonders for my mental health as well as everyone else's. You know, it just it's it's a great thing. So what's next? Well, what's the plan? Because there might there might come a time when. Um, you can't jump about. <gasps> I've forgotten two characters. I can't not talk oh about Saggers and Turd. Oh my, how can how, you forget? How can we forget the feckin' coming? How did I forget them? <laughs> Nelly will be like, oh, Jean, <laughs> what are you like? <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. They're, they're, inc they're, I mean, yeah, they're brilliant. You know, really proud of us for writing something because we've always improvised. Right. So everything we've done it's kind of funny at the time and it goes into the ether. So we, we have to come home and go, oh, we've just written a really, really good, you know, we did, that line, what was that line you said? It was really funny, you know, but you lose those things because it's, it's, um, yeah, just it, those, those moments go. And, and, but we actually wrote this, we scripted the feckoned coming. The feckoned coming. The feckoned coming, <laughs> um, which is a, a historic, historical tour, walking tour of Froome. Um, <gasps> oh, yes. No, I definitely, I know, because I, I know that what the characters look like in my head, but I forgot you did these tours. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, again, that was when we were looking for sort of um, stuff that we could do on a regular basis to bring in an income, we kind of came up with this idea and originally it was meant to be just one of us could do it and it was just a funny walk around Froome. So it would be a guide, but it would be a funny one. So there's a guy, you know, there's a guy in Bath that does one that's been doing it for years, Bizarre Bath and all that. Um, but it, <laughs> because we work so well together, we ended up, it, it kind of dissolves into something else at the end and it's something that we couldn't do on our own. Right. They, you know, the characters work together and it's got a sort of cult, element and and it's actually had quite a sort of cult following it's like people who've seen it the word of mouth about all the stuff we've done mojo moves and the feckend has been incredible you know people just really loving it and telling their friends to come and see it and yeah. and do it unfortunately we had to cancel we were going to do it again in the middle of september 
But with all these sort of new restrictions coming in, we we take people through quite narrow parts of Froome and we just felt that it wouldn't be safe. You know, it's so it's, it's yeah. such crazy times, isn't it? Because you, you probably would be fine, but you just don't know if somebody had it and didn't know they had it and came. You don't and, want to endanger someone... Um, someone's life potentially for for a bit of a gag well, it, well it's like you know we're a community interest company if we were to jeopardize our community right. it kind of goes against everything that we're we're here to do if yeah. we actually ended up killing people <laughs> <laughs> we're just trying to make them laugh you know yeah. make them feel happy you want to kill but not in that context <laughs> um maybe we should talk about that as well so you're a community interest group you've recently received quite a bit of funding and yeah. support haven't you is this is this the new project that you were sort of teasing out when we when you arrived that you were to, you've been in a lot yeah. of meetings today haven't you yeah so um basically um because over the two years that mojo moves has been running we've ended up working with different groups kind of accidentally but really successfully so it was kind of developing those avenues, really, without it necessarily being at risk to us financially. You know, um, whenever you set up a new class where you're asking people to pay you to come to it, um, it's, it's slightly different now because of the online offering. But when you're, you know, you're having to pay for a venue, you're having to advertise, and if nobody comes, you're out of pocket kind of thing. So this is a really nice being able to offer the services for free, but we will still be paid to run those services through this grant. So um, back before lockdown, I was working with Critchell School and I was working with Larkrise. So I did classes with post-16s at Critchell and the whole school at Larkrise. So children from, I would say, four or five up to... 15, 16 maybe. Um, so a broad spectrum of, of children with special educational needs. And it was just a roaring success. You know, it was great to see the way they developed, not just physically, but their confidence grew. There was a little chap who barely said boo to a goose, you know, when we first started. And by the end of it, he was asking me for special, you know, music requests and coming up to me and saying, hi, Cheryl, you know. Uh, and uh, someone who knew him when I mentioned the project said, oh, he's the little chap that's non-verbal, isn't he? He doesn't speak. And I said, oh, no, I think he must have been painfully shy or something because he speaks to me. Right. Um, and a, another guy who, the first time I went in, he didn't engage with me at all. Right. And it... It didn't seem like he was enjoying the sessions, but he was in the sessions. Yeah. By week six, I walked in and he just said to me, Mojo reclaimed, which is my, <laughs> what I do at the end of every session. Yeah. And it was like, <gasps> you know, a real breakthrough. Yeah. It was just like, um, I think, you know, what is lovely about being this character, being Cheryl, is that she radiates kindness and warmth yeah. and is not afraid to make a fool of herself. But, you know, it's not. It doesn't feel like that. It's this confident dancing and the same thing. You know, she she oozes confidence. And it just, people just kind of warm to her and want to be around her. And, yeah. and it, it, it does have a really profound effect on people, you know? It's so beautiful. It was amazing to see. With those kids, I just could cry. So, yeah, basically going back to that. So this project, we're, we're doing a, an online disco on a Wednesday afternoon and it's gone national. So I've got someone signed up from Kilmarnock. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've only had about 30 families sign up so far. Right. But, you know, if they... Yeah, it'd be... Yeah, so, well, stammer, stammer. Um well, 30 families, that's a lot of people. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite a good sort of result over a few... It's only, that's only over a few days, you yeah, know. I think people that's are, a success. Yeah. And that's just through a Facebook post. I haven't even got posters up around town or anything right. like that, you know. I've been trying to get on the telly. I've been trying to get on the, in the press. But it's, I find them impenetrable, really. You'd think, you know, it's quite a TV-friendly yeah. thing. 
But, you know, I haven't even managed to get on points west. Well, you've got on the giant pod. I know. I'm on the giant pod. There you go. That's um, something. Yeah, it's fabulous. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Giant Pod with me, Andy Rintmore. That was my guest, Ginny Adams, a.k.a. Cheryl Sprinkler and more. Please check out her projects in the show note descriptions. We'll leave links to them. Don't forget to like, subscribe and leave us a little review. Check me out on Instagram at Andy underscore S1S. This podcast was produced by the gregarious Harry Williams. And I'll see you next week.